there's nobody like Jesus. <laughs> and I'm so happy to get to celebrate Jesus together with our Christ Journey family, wherever you're making the connection today, our physical campuses, uh, right in, the, in your own home, if that's where you're joining us today. But we uh, invite the blessing of God to meet you there as we gather together to lift up the name of our risen and returning Jesus Christ. And as we begin, would you repeat after me? Let's call ourselves to, a, to our time of worship with this. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. Great to be praised. Nothing, is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. Amen. Amen. Now, don't you feel better? And I hope you joined us at home. You better be. When I say repeat after me, please do. And we're asking God's presence to meet us today. Now, it's not always. It's, in fact, it's a kind of a rare experience when the 4th of July lands on a Sunday. But when that happens in the United States, we're celebrating our nation's birthday. And so I would like to remind you at, right up top, freedom isn't free. Freedom, it costs something to have it. It costs something to keep it. And when you lose it, it costs something to get it back. It requires constant vigilance. This is 24-7, 365 kind. And if there is a word that Americans hold sacred, it may well be this word, freedom. Freedom. We say, let freedom ring. And so if you go to a ball game, when you hear our national anthem, it ends by saying, the land of the free. Free. When we pledge allegiance to the flag, it always says this, with liberty and justice. When, uh, when we reflect upon our nation's ideal, like the tag up space and base for all that comes forward, freedom is the ideal as flawed and unrealized as our ideal is. And as the Bible says, um, The sins of our fathers, you can find the soiling and the staining of that from generation to generation in this nation's history as in other nations' history. Our Liberty Bell <laughs> has always had a crack in it, but that doesn't mean the value doesn't still ring. Freedom remains the holy grail that our founders sought, as do many even today, and still seeking as we do as we gather in worship. You know, the United States began with a declaration of independence. That's freedom. Freedom. And that independence declared what? That we have God-given rights, unalienable rights of life, liberty. There it is again. <laughs> this freedom thing just keeps on ringing, right? And the pursuit of happiness. The First Amendment to the Constitution of the Bill of Rights is about what? Freedom. Freedom, it reads like this, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Freedom, freedom, it's all over the place. Freedom of worship, freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, freedom to assemble. Freedom is foundational to what it means to being an American. And though recent years have painted the word Baptist in 
questionable ways, and Southern Baptist with even more question marks, not without reason. We are still thankful to be history's champions of religious liberty. Baptist is Christ Journey's church heritage, if you didn't know it. And the word Baptist, once upon a time, meant freedom lover. I mean, in history, this is what rose up, freedom lover. John Leland, you don't know his name, but he was a Baptist preacher at the time of this nation's founding and prominently involved in the principle and the content of the First Amendment, influencing his then friends, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. By the way, if you look at the First Amendment Encyclopedia, you can look it up online, but according to the First Amendment Encyclopedia, Leland preached... All freedom in all of its aspects. He preached exhorting his listeners to be free from sin and then to be free from uh, free. He, he preached to oppose slavery and free others from the bondage of captivity, physical bondage. He preached that we need to be free from the spiritual tyranny of a state established religion. I got to say amen to that. People need to be free. People need to be free from sin, free from oppression and bondage. People need to be free from government trying to run the church or government trying to run the church out of business. That's a very Baptist thing to say. I say amen to that, you know. The Bible story, in order for faith to be free, here's what we believe. In order for faith to be free, it's got to be free from coercion. If you're forced, then it's fake. Freedom matters. The Bible story, in fact, is a story about freedom. Did you know this? Human beings made in the image of the most free being ever. The most free being of all. Almighty God. Absolutely free. Non-contingent in any way. And Almighty God dreams of creating human beings image bearers, divine image bearers, and part of that means giving us freedom. Freedom of choice so that we can know what? We can know the joy of, and fulfillment of being loved, choosing freely to be loved and to love God and one another. It's freedom of choice that allows us to experience free freedom in relating to one another in love, to choose to be loved by faith. But we are contingent beings, not absolutely free. We are not absolutely autonomous we can imagine it, but that's not who we are. God alone is absolutely autonomous, absolutely free, and sovereign. But Almighty God dreams of sharing this gift of freedom with us as image bearers. And as a gift of God, we celebrate the gift that we've received, but those receiving it and stewarding it quickly learn that this lesson about it, freedom <laughs> isn't free. It costs something to have it. It costs something to keep it. And if you lose it, it costs something to get it back. But here's another truth that, to consider right out of the story, the opening story of the Bible. Freedom rightly used comes to life with even more freedom. But freedom wrongly used will enslave and kill. The Creator offers that lesson in the Garden of Eden to the first two to bear the torch of freedom. 
It's his first story, Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. That he promises this, that freedom rightly used will come to life with even more freedom. That's the tree of life in the middle of the Garden of Eden. Freely chosen gives more freedom. But freedom wrongly used enslaves and kills. Disobedience will break the bond of love and trust. Freedom abused, and we see that in the garden story, and we see it in Hosea's story today. We see how human freedom gets hijacked by sin, and then how God immediately sets in motion his plan of redemption because he doesn't want to give us up. He doesn't want to lose us. He wants to restore freedom and then uh, set right what sin makes wrong. Hosea reminds the people of Israel of their own story that it seems they've forgotten, a story where God calls Abraham, their father of their generations, out, and then a promise of blessing that will be multiplied generation to generation to generation in his people. And then when he died, his people had gone into Egypt to escape famine, but there became a slave people held in captivity by the Egyptians. And Hosea is reminding them of that story that uh, that's where Yahweh, this is how God introduced himself to them um, at the time when he found them. He said, when he first found you, he delighted in you like a desert traveler stumbling on an oasis. It just took him. And he's so happy that he frees you from captivity. He brings down all the false gods of the pagan land. And then he parts the sea and makes a way in the desert so that they could meet him at the Mount of Covenant, Mount Sinai. You know what that represents? Where God would betroth himself to them and receive them to him. That's where God would say, you are now my beloved in covenant. Freedom is the theme of God's love for Israel. And then in the New Testament, I mean, the freedom bell just keeps on ringing. God now comes in Jesus Christ, fulfilling the prophecies of old. But now he comes in the new Moses Joshua, the one who takes us out of slavery to sin and into the promised land of his spirit's fullness and delivers the new Israel into spiritual freedom by establishing what he calls the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. And in his inaugural address, this is what he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. God's anointed. I've been sent to proclaim freedom. See that? Look at there. There it is again. Freedom. I've been sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to release the oppressed. Release the oppressed. I've been, I've been appointed and anointed to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. God is smiling, and he came to set the captives free. He came to free from bondage to sin and death. Jesus said this, when you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. John 8, 32. And Paul, the first world missionary to take the news of Jesus to the nations, wherever you're joining us today, this was meant for every nation, every person on the face of God's earth. He said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God's spirit wants to set you free. This is beating in the heart of God. 
And Paul later writes this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. What does that mean? We'll get back to it. But all we're trying to show you is that what God is doing in Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit is restoring freedom that got hijacked in the original setting. Now, how can you be at the place where you can truly make your own free choices again for God? What God has been doing is bring a restoration of freedom for everybody, Jew, Gentile, male, female. It is for freedom Christ set us free. Freedom is restored. Why? So that you could use it for its intended purpose. You're not just inheriting some baggage from your ancient primeval ancestors, but you get to make some free choices about using God's gift for its intended purpose in your life. What would it do? Produce more freedom. You know, living things reproduce after their likeness. So freedom, when it's alive and dynamic and healthy, it produces more freedom. Which brings us right back to Israel's story in the book of Hosea. Today's text is from Hosea 8. And I'm telling you, I'm sorry to tell you this, but what we see in Hosea 8 is freedom abused. Instead of unleashed, we see it abused. We, we learned in an earlier message that 8th century B.C. Israel was a very economic boon time for them. Times were good. Second only economically to the reign of David himself in Jerusalem. But what did the people do with their financial freedom? Well, first, they gave themselves to the externals of their religion, the rituals and rules that show up on the outside for appearance sake, while on the inside, they're hollow, they're dead, they're hardened, no life there, but on the outside, it looks like, wow, they... They're spending a lot of money on God, but inside they're hollow. And so God tells them this in Hosea 6, I desire mercy from the, that's mercy from the heart. I want love to be alive from the inside, not sacrifice. That's external religion that you show off so others can see. This is the same text that Jesus laid hold of when he told the Pharisees, you know, you're all caught up in religious externals, but inside there's no mercy. There's no love. So how was freedom abused? In self-righteous hypocrisy and second, in self-indulgent lust. What God, through Hosea, calls a spirit of prostitution, fornication, licentiousness. Hebrews, I mean, Hosea 6, once again, verse 10. I have seen a horrible thing in Israel. You know, this is like you sitting down and saying, man, my family, I'm so... I don't know, I've seen a horrible thing in my family's life. And here's what God says is, it's a spirit of prostitution. It's Ephraim's given to prostitution. Israel's defiled. And so freedom is being abused in two ways in Israel at the time. Self-righteous legalism and self-indulgent license. Now, on that latter one, you know, some of us know that trap by experience. I'm one of those who got misled and snagged by drug abuse early in my life, and what posed as freedom suddenly started taking me captive. And some of us know what we're talking about there, uh, because throwing away rules and laying aside guidelines doesn't automatically bring freedom. License, licentiousness, is a trap uh, into another kind of slavery. It's called addiction and blindness and abuse <laughs> to drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, greed, vaping. I mean, you name what is the, the, the addiction du jour 
but this is what it promises freedom, but then suddenly starts taking you back. What we call vice in Scripture behaves like bait to a fish. It looks like the real thing to that fish. It moves like the real thing, you know, and when it closes in and takes a bite, what does the fish discover right away? It's not the real thing. And instead, it's now biting back and reeling the fish in because it's going to consume the fish. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Licentiousness is a thief. And you discover it, it sneaks up on you. You don't always see it coming until it's got you. Somebody said the chains of habit are too weak to be felt until they are too strong to be broken. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Bad habits steal your freedom, and they make you a slave. Bad habits in vice behavior, bad habits in emotional behavior, like self-pity, or where you just swirl around in your pain and misery, poor me. You know, self-pity. Sometimes people think when they're in self-pity, you know what occurred to me? Self is still at the center. <laughs> you're, you're all pitying up, but you're still the center of that. Self-indulgent emotional behavior can trap you, but not just vices. What about devices? Should I go there? Oh, my Social media, phones, entertainment, TV binging, stealing time, keeping us from relating to one another as people, having conversations together across the table. Instead, we're texting each other from six feet away, you know, and liking each other. And, how, and what about, okay, watch out, lift your toes up. What about bad diet? You know, what about unhealthy habit? How many lives have been shortened by something that could be managed like diet or sugar or exercise or nicotine, you know? I mean, I know I've stopped preaching. I've gone to meddling. You're going to shut down on me soon. So I'm backing out right now. So, you know, don't get too scared about that. But all I'm telling you is this. God loves you. God loves us. But sometimes our own choices are hurting us and killing us. Bad behaviors do that. Bad physical behaviors, bad emotional behaviors, bad ideas do it too. They take your mind captive. This is why Paul writes in Colossians 2, see to it. Now, that means open your eyes on this one. You're, you might miss this one, so pay close attention. Are you paying attention now? See to it that no one takes you captive. Where? In your head, through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition. You mean you can get caught in a swirl of ideas that have nothing to do with God and that are not going to take you into freedom. Yeah, that's exactly what he says. Watch out because they can take you captive. The elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ, what's called free thinking, in other words, can make you a slave. you got to watch out. Keep your eyes open. Bad ideas can cloud your thinking, can cloud your viewing, can take control of your mind. Bad habits can steal your health. Stifle your life and deaden your relationship with God. It can happen to, it, you know what? It was happening to people then. That's how I got into this. And oh my, it still happens to people now. Some of us become, feel so empty and hard on the inside. Why? Maybe because hypocritical religion has calcified self-righteousness on the outside. And now all you want to do is judge everybody. Everybody. 
That's what that does. It doesn't lead to more freedom. On the other hand, it's not hypocritical religion that's got you tangled up. Maybe for some of us, it's, we're just enslaved by moral infidelity, self-indulgent. And we think, if I can get myself everything that self wants, then I'm going to be free. Only you discover, <laughs> no, not really. How can you know you're using your freedom right? You know, both self-righteousness and self-indulgence can lead to more captivity. How can you know you're using your freedom right? It leads to more freedom. And you have to evaluate that for yourself. How can you tell that you're using it wrong? Something's, you're, something's going dead. Something's getting taken control. Something's getting captivated. You know this song? Listen to this. You know this song? What song is this? Okay. You music majors are going to say, oh, yeah, the William Tell Overture. And there's a whole bunch of other people who are saying, no, that's that uh, song about that hero from the American West. What was his name? The Lone Ranger. Do you know, there was a time in this country's history where every kid knew when they heard that song, they don't know who William Tell is, but they know the Lone Ranger's coming. And when the Lone Ranger's coming, the feeling that rises, this is a feeling I remember rising for me, freedom is about to show up. You know, he's going to take captive the bad guy. He's going to set free the, the, uh, the recipient of his gift of goodness and grace. And freedom is coming. Freedom from deceit, freedom from treachery, freedom from the bad guys. How would he do it? And you know what? I even heard him quote the Bible. Yes. On American TV, with utter sincerity, he quoted the Bible. You know what verse I remember him quoting? The one from this chapter, Hosea. Hosea chapter 8, verse 7, and it simply says this. Can you see him with his silver bullet and his black mask? He's talking to Tonto after they've taken down the bad guys. And this is what he says. They sowed the wind, and they reaped the whirlwind, Tonto. This was Hosea's message to his day, to his people, because they were, this, that verse is about abusing and losing your freedom. They used their freedom wrongly, and they lost because of it. It's a truth that Israel needed then. It's a truth that our nation needs today. Freedom isn't free. It costs something to have it. It costs something to keep it. And when you lose it, it costs something to get it back. Freedom requires constant vigilance. And that's why this verse is also exposing some of the laws of harvest. Hosea 8.7 says there are laws of harvest in effect when it comes to human freedom. Here are, the three, here are three quick laws. Uh, number one, you reap what you sow. This is both good and bad. It means your choices are your own to make. But whatever seeds you plant, then don't be surprised when they grow up. Because you reap what you sow. And they come your way, right? Choices are like seed. This is good or bad. This isn't a threat. He's just stating a fact. Freedom behaves this way. You make a choice, it becomes a consequence. Second law, you reap later than you sow. 
Now, some choices are like, they take time to mature, right? So what seems like instant gratification in a culture that's built on instant gratification can actually come back to bite you later. It might feel so right in the moment, only sometime later, it just, something went wrong. Where did it go wrong? It was posing like freedom, but it wasn't really. In fact, delayed gratification, the scripture says, can bring you even greater harvest and joy. Sexual choices are like that. Instant gratification can bite you later, but if you delay gratification, you can learn how to fan the flame in deep ways that build intimacy by God's grace. And then third one, you can reap more than you sow. You will. <laughs> you, you plant a seed, you grow a crop. You harvest. He says here that Israel has sown the wind. They behaved poorly, and now they're reaping the whirlwind. Storm force wind. We don't know what category it was. Two, three, four, five. We don't know. But it was unleashing destruction upon people, upon their families, upon their lives, upon their culture. People are dying. Lives are in the balance. Families are on the brink. The abuse of freedom comes with a cost. Now, Jesus' disciple Peter, who also knew how to abuse his own freedom, knew why. He's, he's telling the early Christians who have just been set free in Christ, free from the, just like us, free from the penalty of sin by his forgiveness, free from the power of sin. We're no longer held captives by it as we step into it. But that, that now, to move forward in freedom, listen to this, 1 Peter 2.16, live as free people. But don't use your freedom to cover up for evil. Don't play hypocritical games. Live as God's servant. Whether self-righteousness or self-indulgence, no, freedom is right here in the middle. This is where freedom fulfills its purpose. When you use it freely to freely know and follow God, to freely obey God, not in self-righteous legalistic ways that are full of judgment. No, in loving, faithful ways, not by serving pleasure or power, but by uh, as, as false gods, but by experiencing God's pleasure through God's power. I love this psalm, Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The closer we get to God, the closer freedom brings us into more pleasure that sets you free, not that takes you captive. Now, you know what? Cars these days, um, we got a car that has one of those internal systems that if you get a little bit out of your lane, you know, it starts beeping and bumping and pulling you back and all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And so it's enough for me to be driving down the road, but now I got the thing. I veer a little bit, and it's beeping, and then my wife starts saying, Bill, you know, do what the car tells you, and now I got to do what my wife tells me that the car is telling me to do. So I'm saying, how do you turn this thing off, you know? I, so I figured out how to disarm the beeper, but I have not figured out how to get the steering wheel to stop doing this, you know. It just does it on me. Um, but you know why those, they've got those things built in now is the steering tries to correct me or you so that it can take you into the lane, keep you in the lane, while you will experience the greatest freedom, the least obstacles for the going forward of your life journey. God is doing that with Israel. 
And he's got some signals in place saying, no, 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 no. Right here, more freedom, more freedom. Yes, 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 hot, hot, hot. They're in spiritual warfare, and they're being deceived. They're being pulled off lane, and they're paying the price. And it happens to us, too. So what are the takeaways today? I got three real quick. Invite, invest, invoke. In our relationship with God, we don't settle for empty religion and self-righteous rules. Invite God to fire up your heart with love from the inside and find your identity in God's salvation family. That's what he's trying to tell the people of Israel. He's your creator. He's your sustainer. He's your protector. He's your provider. God is your lover. And you get close to him, and he's in the driver's seat, and you get close to that right hand, it's going to be full of pleasure as he keeps you in the lane toward freedom. In relating to one another, here's a word, invest. Plant seeds that will grow into deeper love and deeper understanding in your relationships with your spouse, with your kids, with your associates, that will bring seeds that when they grow up, they're going to bring harvest in a a life of fruitfulness for you. You can use your freedom to do that. And then we can do it together as God's people. This is what church is for. Because we all get pulled off point. We need each other. Invoke God's resources with your spiritual family. How do you do that? Well, you're already doing it. Many of you gathering in our physical campuses, you're regathering to do that. You're saying, I got to come because something happens in the fellowship of God's people. And those of you who are joining us online, God bless you, but don't settle for that. God has deeper connection for you than a digital one. Thank God for the technology. But come on back. Come on back. And if you're not ready to come back to a big group, then come back to a small group. Come back to your group. This is another thing you can do. You can... Here's another thing. You can talk to your campus pastor in confidentiality about getting unstuck. Maybe there's somewhere in your life that you took a wrong road and you need to talk to somebody about it. Talk to your campus pastor. They know about being stuck, and they know what we're providing to get unstuck as well. And as we come out of COVID, we're taking steps to help us. To help us what? To remember that freedom isn't free. But when it's used for its God-given purpose, it will grow into more freedom and into more freedom, and that freedom can come to you. So you're wondering, well, what's the purpose of freedom? Why is there such a thing? Have you ever wondered that? Here's my answer. I think this is what the Scripture teaches. So we can use it to do the will of God. So we can freely choose to say, Lord, I love you back, and I'm going to align my life. I don't know what Adam and Eve did, but I know what Bill's going to do, and I'm going to use my freedom that you gave me to choose to go with you in the story of my life so that we can choose and then grow into the full redemptive purpose of God's divine image bearers in Christ. Let me say it another way. So that every day, in every way, we can trust, love, and obey God, and as we get to know his love and joy in this life, then we can help other people come with us into the next life. That's the kingdom of heaven. Now, maybe it's occurred to you as we're thinking about this that freedom is a dynamic thing. It's not static. It's that, in that sense, it's like riding a bike. You maintain your balance by moving forward. That means using your freedom to keep making freedom choices that will keep you in lane and keep you in God's pleasure and keep you moving forward in his will. Speaking of moving forward, I recently 
discovered something about the Statue of Liberty. I didn't remember. If I knew it, I forgot it. Or if I ever knew it, I don't know. But her pose is in the middle of a step forward. Liberty is not a static statue. She's dynamically moving forward. The statue, I'll remind you, was a gift from the French for our country's 100th birthday, our anniversary of independence, also to signify the nation's abolition of slavery at the time. 1876. Her crown symbolizes rays of light that are extending out to the world like sunbeams. The, uh, she raises her torch of freedom, once again resonating the ideal of our country's founding. The date on the tablet that she holds is July 4th, 1776, our original Independence Day. And, that, and to symbolize the end of slavery, which we were coming out of as a country, the sculptor placed a broken shackle and chains at her feet. Did you know this? That what she is doing, freedom is not standing still. Her right foot is stepping forward. That means that freedom is always moving from our chains forward. The tablet represents being a nation of law, which makes me think of the words to the song, America the Beautiful. America, America, God mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control. Not self-righteousness, not self-indulgence, self-control. Thy liberty in law. Next verse. America, America, may God thy gold refine till all success is nobleness, character, and every gain Divine. That sound like a prayer to you? In fact, so does the verse you know. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good. Using your freedom for good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. You know the song is seeking God's help, God's grace that he would intervene and bring good to shape character that will build a better future. You want to give your family a future. You got to know how you're, what you're doing with your freedom. And is it leading you to be more captive to judgmental religion or to self-indulgent freedom that is a trap or to get to know the God who just wants to set you free and again and again. You know, these words were written by a preacher's daughter. That may explain some of it. 30 years after Lincoln made the Emancipation Proclamation that ended the war between the states, set the slaves free. Eight years after the Statue of Liberty arrived, a, a single young woman 33 years old, English teacher, daughter of a Christian minister, got inspired. And it was a really hard time in the nation's history because the polarization was deep and wide, and a lot of people had died because of it. But she was inspired to offer these words and remind us that true freedom isn't about casting off restraint or rebelling against authority. True freedom is choosing your identity as an image bearer of God in his spiritual family and inviting his grace to lead you into goodness 
that will then bring more freedom. And that's how we build a better future for our families. We don't try to build a world in our image, broken, fallen, hurting, hurtful, but in the image of the God who says the way of freedom will lead to more freedom. Anybody listening? Not the image of our self-absorbed fallen nature. Does my family have a future? It does when I freely choose to find and follow Christ. Would you pray with me? Thank you, God, for your patience. Thank you, God, for your kindness. Thank you, God, for this amazing dream that you had to share your freedom with the likes of us. I just abuse it. I, uh, I've discovered by experience so much of what I've talked about today. I know that self-righteous hypocrisy just leads to hard-hearted religion and judging others. Now, I've done that. Forgive me. I know that self-indulgent license in the name of freedom just led me into a deeper hole and a bigger trap. And I thank you for your forgiveness for that. But I'm thinking there may be people like me listening, and your spirit is speaking to them like you did to me because you want to help them find more freedom. Is that you, sister? Is that you, brother? then God is most likely going to say, you need to let go of that and stop. Let go of that. Let me have that right now. You know what that he's talking about. And instead, I want you to do this. The Holy Spirit is probably telling you something that needs to stop and something that needs to start. And in your heart, you're making a decision right now about how to use your freedom. If you would allow me to pray with you about using it to step into greater freedom, I'm going to invite you. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but I'm going to invite you to stand. You know, Paul in Galatians says that we are to stand in our liberty. If you would let me pray with you, I'm going to invite you to do that right now. On our campuses, right there in your own room, wherever you're connecting with us, just stand up. Say, Lord, my desire is to stand, to find new freedom to give my family a future by choosing to use freedom well. And I'm going to need your help to do it. I need you to open my eyes to it. I need your spirit to empower me to be freed from the things that have held me back. So right now, Lord, I, in my standing, I'm just inviting you to do a fresh work in me, a fresh cleansing by your grace and I receive your forgiveness of my sin. A fresh empowering by your goodness, your Holy Spirit. And as you now lead me, I will follow that next step you give me. You know what it is. You just talk with God about it. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to be free and to be able to freely choose to love you. I love you. I'm so thankful you love me. And I pray that you would help us to love you too. That we could just love you back right here. We just have a lot of love in the room. For those still seated, for those standing, for those across the nation, around the world who are just saying, Lord, do work in me. And I receive it through Jesus Christ, my Savior. Amen.